you wrote, is a Dubair. Welcome to the Village Oak Tree again for the January 3rd in this new year 2024. So I'm Terrence O'Donnell, back to your village with more news from the outside world. So come sit with me under the Village Oak Tree or around the hearth fire this time of year as we kind of talk about news from around the world. And I want to give you an editorial about something special. So I do have a break, just to let everybody know. Of course, I tell you every week. Um, created a short advertisement for my podcast and website, and I'll take a break while you listen to it. Meanwhile, i got a bunch of news stories for you. Some of you know about, some you don't. And coming up in the second half, I rail against governments, especially the United States and their masters, the global corporations, in this first podcast from 2024. So let me get to my first story. And again, like I, you know, I always say, my stories go back about a week. Some of these have uh, been in the news a little bit. China military lashes out at U.S. after breakthrough talks by Lori Chen in Reuters. A Chinese defense ministry official, Wu, Wu Qian, tells, I want to say Wu Qian, maybe, Q-I-A-N, tells the U.S. that they are in a Cold War footing. It is only out for personal gain to maintain its hegemony, hegemony in the Asia-Pacific region. Even though top generals on both sides are talking about more cooperation for 2024. Knowing the U.S., there's probably a lot of truth to this. The U.S. never does anything unless there's a corporate interest involved. It will make the GOP donors richer somehow. U.S. wants to contain China's chip industry. This startup shows it won't be easy by John Schiffman and Joshua Schneier, also in Reuters. Once again, U.S. wants to dominate a technology because they're afraid that China will use it to strengthen their military. Isn't that what the U.S. is going to do with their chip industry? This story talks about how a certain software that is needed to manufacture microchips ended up in China, and much to the concern of the U.S., mostly the rich tech corporations that are involved with this. Get over it. Time for the U.S. to quit trying to be the world's top dog and learn to share their toys with everyone else. If we learn to cooperate with one another, we probably would have a lot less wars and poverty. U.S. military secretive space plane launch on a possible higher orbit mission by Joy Roulette and Steve Gorman, and also in Reuters. Everyone is speculating about whether this secret squirrel space mission will do something special. The timing is curious, since the Chinese just launched theirs a couple weeks ago. With the U.S. being overly aggressive in its competition with everything from China, one wonders whether this is a military mission. I wouldn't put it past the United States to try something aggressive against the new designated enemy of the state, and this is China. Moldova's president says Putin must be stopped by Alexander Tanis for Reuters. And again, this is stuff that's about three or four days old or so. Um, the big thing is, I go from China over to, over to Europe. In a plea for help, Moldova is asking the world's democracies to come together and defeat Russia before they overwhelm Ukraine, Ukraine and move on to her country. She's telling everyone that Putin has no intentions of stopping with Ukraine to bring back the old USSR. She's working with the EU for admission to the bloc and doing all they can to help the Ukrainians defeat Russia by offering refuge and providing engineers to help Ukraine. I mean, Moldova is a very small country, but it's not just Moldova here. They're all scared. Latvia, Estonia, Moldova, Romania, Bulgaria, Poland, they're all very, very scared of the Russians, and rightly so. Putin has made no, no bones about what he wants. And he's starting with Ukraine. Russia deploying newest howitzers against Ukrainian forces. Rostec. Again, another one from Reuters. If this doesn't stand out and make the EU nervous, I don't know what will. Russia deploying troops and equipment near the Finnish border so soon after a mission to NATO. If anyone doubted Russian intentions, here's proof. So who's going to flinch first, the EU or NATO, which draws in the U.S.? Maybe that's Russia's intention, to draw into a direct conflict with NATO troops, which would include U.S. soldiers. That's, that's, you know, the big thing is they're stating here that these howitzers, artillery, 
are going to be deployed against the Ukraines, the Ukrainians. Uh, but they're putting them right next to the Finnish border. So, you know, you have to kind of look between the lines here. Iran, Russia, to trade in local currencies instead of U.S. dollars, state media, another one from Reuters. As I keep reporting, Russia and Iran are desperate to make money, and now they set up their central banks to allow trading to use local currency, bypassing the U.S. dollar. This is just the start of the avalanche to come, as more countries will get on board with this soon. What will the U.S. do next? They can't sanction the whole world for not using their currency to trade with. They can't bully countries anymore. So now what? And the big thing about this is there's a big issue right now in India because India and Russia wanted to tr use their currencies. I reported on this last week. They wanted to use their own currencies to start buying oil with, but they couldn't come to an agreement. So now all these Russian ships full of oil are having to go somewhere else because India can't figure out how to pay for it. Indonesian protester storm refugee shelter calling for deportation of Rohingya, another one from Reuters. It seems the poor Rohingya can't catch a break. Wherever they go, no one wants them, and now, in Bandaste, students forcibly move the refugees out to another spot, yelling for them to be deported somewhere, anywhere but in Indonesia. I keep bringing these people up from the news feeds because the Rohingya aren't the only ones in this type of situation around the world as more and more climate migrants are forced to flee other places. And in an update on this news story, another, another boat showed up and the Indonesian Navy actually intercepted them and turned them around. So it's not just students anymore. The government here in Indonesia is turning these Rohingyas around and saying, you're not welcome here. We, can, we can't take you in the United States right now. There's already a backlash in the western provinces about immigrants taking over everything. Quebec has lashed out recently because none of them speak French. Is Canada going to suffer a future identity crisis? Will all these immigrants meld into a new society, make Canada a better place to live? So that's the question for them going into the new year here in 2024. This one going over back over to Europe. World's tallest wooden wind turbine starts turning. It's from BBC.com from Jonah Fisher. A Swedish company has set up their first wooden wind turbine and hopes to build them even taller. By not using steel, they're touting a negative carbon footprint. But what, what about all the trees they have to use to build this one? The first one used 2,000 spruce trees and they replant them once they're harvested. But it takes years for trees to grow large enough to be harvested. So my question is, how is this sustainable? You know, you've got to cut down all these trees to make these wood turbines. And if you get a high demand, you're going to run out of trees. I don't know. I don't see the balance here. Another one from Sweden. Queen of Trash and employees arrested over Sweden's largest environmental crime. Bella Nilsson's company, NMT, Think Pink accused of illegally dumping tens of thousands of tons of waste. And this is from TheGuardian.com by Miranda Bryant, their Nordic correspondent. Another wannabe celebrity who got caught. Now they're on the hook for all this in the Swedish court, and it doesn't look good for them. Now Sweden has to deal with cleaning up the mess, which they say they aren't sure how bad it is. But they know it's pretty bad. It could take quite a while to find it all and clean it up at great expense. Sweden's been in the news quite a bit lately with all of their troubles. Hopefully this will sort, they'll sort this all out without too much damage to the local environment. But basically, this company did a lot of marketing and a bunch of illegal dumping in, in places they shouldn't have, and now they got caught. But problem is, they, they got away with it for so long, Sweden's going to be a long time cleaning this mess up. Now we're going to go to Australia. The water trade is booming and sucking Australia dry. On the world's driest inhabited continent, water is making a few big investors very rich. By Peter Waldman, Sadhuja Rangarajan, Angus Whitley, and Sibylla Gross for Bloomberg. This story from Down Under is a lesson for other capitalist countries that are struggling with water rights. Hint, hint, U.S. In the state of New South Wales, the Australian government has left loopholes that rich investors have sucked up and are leaving everyone else high, dry, high and dry without water. 
It's a good article if you can figure out how to bypass the paywall. I had I have to read it in my iPad. It's a lesson for all of us in a rapidly warming climate. And I'll kind of give you a little bit of details. Over the last few years, Australia here, especially in New South Wales, got the idea of allowing rich and private investors to buy up all these water rights and water. And they decided to build dams around all of it and save all this water in the reservoir. So they're, they're blocking off the main river, the rivers over there. And the people who are not rich investors are, are end up with nothing. They're having to sell all their farms because there's no water and all that kind of good stuff. And, all they, and these rich investors with this money, or with this water, they're sitting tight. They're selling it to other rich people and making a killing off of it. Meanwhile, the environment's changing. It's going dry and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a hot mess down there. And I don't mean that as a pun because obviously the climate is really hot and now they got no water. This one here goes over to Africa. They attacked us. They displaced us. Grieving Sudanese confront Swedish oil giant over their days of slaughter. A historical trial, which will call on 61 witnesses worldwide, is expected to set a precedent for global corporations in foreign jurisdictions. So this is another story out of Sweden, which I probably should have mixed with the other two. But it's more of a global one because it talks about corporations. And not just in New, not just in Sweden. So in a trial, you know, this is from Miranda Bryant, and she's a Stockholm correspondent for the Guardian. The first of its kind trial, Sudanese refugees will have their say in court against a giant fossil fuel corporation from Sweden. They're accusing the company executives of aiding and abetting war crimes from 1999 to 2003. They hired the government to provide security for their oil exploration fields. The government took it to heart over the money and burned out villages, killed a lot of innocent people, all for oil. This will be Sweden's largest ever trial and has been in the making for the last decades as they prepare. The trial could set a precedent around the world for greedy corporations who think that if they throw enough money around, they can get away with whatever they want. The corporate world needs to pay attention. If, they, if, they, if the plaintiffs win, this could open the door to a lot of other cases being brought against corporate gangsters in other places around the world. Hey, U.S., you need to pay attention to this. Researchers just discovered a game-changing method for cleaning up the trash in our oceans. Here's how. The Ocean Legacy Foundation is already partnering with full-circle plastics to create recycled plastic lumber for fences, planters, and outdoor furniture. By Laurel Stell in the cool-down. The Ocean Legacy Foundation has figured out a way to recycle plastic pellets from the oceans and reuse it for building materials. They're trying to sell the idea that cleaning up the oceans is profitable and to go get corporations on board and reusing the plastic screen from the world's oceans. It's cheaper to reuse for them and a win-win for the environment. So they, don't, they haven't perfected this yet, but it's coming, and that's, that's a good thing. And here's another good feel-good kind of environmental article, New York City to utilize 8,500 acres of parking lots for incredible new initiative, a bold step forward, unquote. This is an idea that's long overdue by Samantha Reddit in the cooldown. New York City is planning to set up solar canopies and easier access to EV chargers around the city to try for carbon neutrality. Given the carbon footprint the city gives off, this is good news. Maybe other cities will step up and copy this around the country. Well, that'd be that'd be a good thing. And there's a trend here, and I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of get that for you. That a lot of companies in 2024 have taken heart from COP28 and said, "Hey, we're actually this year we're going to step up and start doing more things." So here's another climate article. This one is from China. Climate action: How China is accelerating the drive towards a net zero world. Chinese firms dominate green industries from renewable energy to electric vehicles. China's Belt and Road Initiative promotes green projects, and even its e-commerce push brings energy savings. This is from the South China Morning Post uh, by Andrew, Andrew Lung. This opinion article touts China's accelerating role in driving the global momentum in the coming decades. China is doing all it can, as fast as they can, to get out from under the umbrella fossil fuels because of the choke points in the country. Having to import coal and oil puts them in an economic and military disadvantage, and they don't like it. 
going green is all about securing themselves against the West that could choke them off and also cleaning up their climate, which was really bad not too long ago. Smog was so bad, it was killing people. But mostly, it's a military strategy. They have seen what happens when the U.S.-led coalitions decide to choke off needed materials for the economy and have no desire to be another target like Russia and Iran. And here's another one. And this one, it's, it's, a, it's from China, but it's also kind of a world thing. Chinese EV makers are planning factories in Mexico, and the U.S. is worried. It's a backdoor to undercutting the three big three car makers by Steve Mallman and I got this from Fortune magazine. The U.S. is having kittens about the Chinese hard push into the EV market around the world and their inability to keep up. They already have a 2.5% tariff imposed on imports, but by manufacturing Mexico, they may get around that. Mexico has a free trade agreement with the U.S. The big three U.S. car makers are pushing Washington hard to keep the Chinese out of the U.S., but it's getting harder to do. The U.S. is falling behind the Chinese on a lot of things, and they're taking it pretty hard. How hard it remains to be seen, but expect desperations from the Yanks over allowing any Chinese imports into the U.S. That competes against their companies. It's likely to get ugly here in these trade wars. So now I have another feel-good article here. Ireland could become the next nation to recognize the rights of nature and a human right to a clean environment. The move to enshrine those rights is part of a flurry of developments advancing the rights of nature movement this year by Katie Surma. And this, I got this from Inside Climate News. Ireland considering a nationwide referendum to constitutionally recognize ecosystems that have legal rights. These this along with two-thirds of the EU already recognizing a universal human right to a healthy environment, and advocates are pushing Dublin. Well, it's a bit dicey for now, but they're working pretty hard to get this passed. Scientists invent mind-blowing method to remove microplastic from our water, 1,000 times smaller than those that are currently detectable, by Jeremiah Budin in the cooldown. A team of scientists in Melbourne, Australia, may have discovered a way to do that. They have invented a magnetic nanopillared absorbent, ad adsorbent, they call it, that can remove smaller microplastics at a much faster rate than any current technologies. It's a promise for the future if they can perfect it and commercialize it. Like I said, it's a work in progress, but they, they got, they've made enough progress to where they can publicize it. Like I said, more inventions coming out for cleaning up the environment. It's all good. Now we're going to get into the war stuff. Biden administration again bypasses Congress for weapons sale to Israel. Antony Blinken tells Congress he made a second emergency determination covering $147.5 million sale for equipment. And this came out of the Guardian U.S. News. So now it's an emergency. The U.S. has determined to continue funding the genocide in Gaza, telling Israel to stop tar targeting civilians. It's like telling a starving person not to eat the food sitting at the table in front of them because it might hurt someone. Seriously, who does the United States think they're kidding? There is no more trying to shade this or cover it up. And it will definitely hurt Biden in 2024. Now, how much remains to be seen? This one also from the United States. New law designates special counsels to prosecute sex crimes in the U.S. military. Military sexual assaults and harassment have increased almost every year since 2006, prompting Congress to pass new legislation. This one also from the Guardian.com U.S. News by Olivia Empson in, in the Guardian. It's about time. U.S. military has been doing a very poor job of policing itself over sex crimes. That they have finally had that privilege taken away from them. Now let's hope that justice will finally come for all the sexual assault victims, both past and future. And like I said, I'll give you a little more detail here. There's been a lot of issues in the news here in the last few years over women, some men, but mostly women, who have actually had to get out of the military, basically chased out because of sexual assaults and, and everything else. And their commanding, their chain of command wouldn't do anything about it. So it's about time. I feel like a criminal for quitting. Nurses in the U.S. fight, stay or stay or pay agreements. 
Filipino nurses for Ohio-based company say they have been forced to pay thousands in fees after signing training contracts. Another one from the Guardian U.S. News by Michael Sanato. Another case of endangered servitude under a different name. Now foreign nurses invited to work and train in the U.S. under false job descriptions are being sued when they quit before their contracts expire, citing harsh and abusive working conditions. Now where have we heard that before? As they are here under EB3 visas, they have a right under law to do so. Now it's up, to, it's up in front of the Federal Labor Board and the courts to decide. But this is what the global corporations are doing nowadays because they're so desperate to make money at any cost. Hire foreign workers, abuse them, and cover it up, or try to anyway. As I said, this, is, this one here is in the U.S., but as I've said before and in a lot of previous podcasts, this is a worldwide thing going on right now where people like the Filipinos um, and uh, Indonesians and Malaysians and other folks like that are going to other countries around the world to go to work. They're being hired by these third-party companies, and they're being exploited like crazy. Now we're going to go over here to the West Bank. The Jewish settlers living the American dream, unquote, in the West Bank by Rebecca Bauman. And this is from thebusinessinsider.com. Tens of thousands of American Jews now live in the West Bank in American-style subdivisions, lauding Trump and their sheltered way of life. And it looks like these same settlers have brought their American colonizing attitudes with them. There have been a lot of stories leaked out of the West Bank since October of an uptick in settler violence against Palestinians. It was already high to begin with. Seems that the American apple doesn't stray too far away from the tree, no matter where it ends up in the world. So what's driving, here's another one, immigration article here. What's driving the huge surge in Indians illegally migrating to the United States? Lack of economic opportunities and the fear of religious and political persecution are among the biggest reasons. From Abig Deb, and this one uh, from the Scrollin. More than 97,000 Indian immigrants have tried to enter the U.S. from both sides of the country, north and south, with 31,000 apprehended at the Canadian border. They are like all the rest, looking for food, water, and shelter stability. They think that the U.S. will keep them safe from religious and political persecution and climate issues in Southwest Asia. Then there are the highly educated who come for the jobs that aren't available in India for them. And then there's the red states on the southern border who think that it's just Latinos from Central and South America trying to get in the United States. Maybe these folks ought to take a trip to the southern border and look in the holding pens on the borders and actually see who's trying to actually come in. And that's, that's the big thing. Myself, I noticed a huge uptick in a lot of folks from Southwest Asia coming to the United States. When I lived in Texas, I, they were everywhere, and I'm not against that. They're nice people. But at the same time, you've got a lot of people here, especially in red states, who are against any kind of immigration. And they're noticing that all of these folks from Southwest Asia are coming in and, and trying to get in the country for a better life. India does have a lot of people. What's the Philadelphia corridor border zone that Israel wants to control? Israeli control over the border, Israeli control over the corridor between Gaza and Egypt, as its Prime Minister Benjamin, Benjamin Nahu has sought, would mean the de facto full reoccupation of the Gaza Strip. And this one from Al Jazeera by Maziar Motamedi, The Guardian Australian News. If you read between the lines on this, a little bit of political history, it's obvious that Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the United States will do whatever they have to in order to keep their colonizing institutions intact. The no vote last October 14th in Australia was a good referendum on just what the Australian colonists think about indigenous rights. Not much different than the Canadians, Kiwis, and the Yanks. Keep them down under the boot heel as much as they can get away with it. Although Canada has done more for their indigenous tribes in recent years than any of the other three. Now, I've got a Christian nationalism article that I picked up this morning. And this is, from the U this is for the U.S., but it's also actually international because these people are going worldwide. Meet the new apostolate, apostolic Re reformation, cutting edge of the Christian right. Christian nationalism has a new momentum and a new movement that openly longs for dominion over secular America by Paul Rosenberg. So 
I got this from Salon.com. This is about a book from a Canadian author, Andre Gagne, American Evangelicals for Trump, Spiritual Warfare in the End Times. This article is about a conversation off the record about the book and what all this means for the United States. So he interviewed the author for this. There's apparently a new movement shaping up regarding Christian nationalism called the New Apostolic Reformation, or NAR, to use the common acronym. From the conversation here in this article, this movement is still a bit dysfunctional, but it's gaining momentum amongst the neo-charismatic Pentecost around the world. Sounds like another conspiracy theory like so many others these days, but apparently this underground movement to take over the government is pretty big. The new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, is a member of this NAR, or NAR as they call it. Maine's Americans could lose internet aid months before the 2024 election. Hill leaders are under pressure to come up with billions to extend the Affordable Connectivity Program, which helps 22 million households pay their internet bills. And I got this one from Politico.com by John Hendel. Aid for low-income internet users in the U.S. may be coming to an end by April 2024 if the GOP doesn't continue this pandemic program. Can you imagine these 22 million people or more losing access to the internet because they can't afford it? Such is a sad state of sad state of personal economics in the U.S. Millions of homeless people and now no internet, possibly for those who do have a place to live, but just barely. Some of these people depend on having access to a living. I mean, there are a lot of remote, remote workers depending on this. So will they now become homeless as well? To add that to the other millions of people that are homeless, America is starting to become a pretty rough place to live. Most Americans realize the planet's got a big, big problem, but Congress is still full of deniers by Diane Roberts from the Florida Phoenix. To quote, this is from her, her article, humans are stupid and it's going to get us all killed, unquote. She talks about the Gaza war with Bible quotes not the ones that are taken out of context or subverted. It's all about money and power, and that leads her to her next segment, the GOP politicians who look like they're all about embracing a little totalitarianism to enable our self-serving needs. She also rants about the British Tories and their self-serving policies for the richest among them. These conservative politicians don't seem to care for their constituents. All they care about is what's in it for them. And this is what will kill us all eventually if we don't get rid of them. And my last article here is also from the United States. Doctors unionize as healthcare services are consolidated into corporate systems. And this one I got from the PBS, PBS.org NewsHour. This is by Fred DeSam Lazaro in Simeon Lancaster for PBS NewsHour. Mostly this news piece talks about the Alina Health System in Minnesota. But it applies to everywhere in the country where corporations have taken over health care at the detriment of providers and patients in the quest for ever more profits. A group of doctors have finally unionized up in Minnesota. Maybe this is a lesson for the rest of the country, including the patients. That message is, enough is enough. It's time to stop this greedy madness. So that's the end of my first half. It's time for me to take a break and get a little bit something to drink. And while I'm on the break, let you listen to my little commercial. So please stay tuned for my op-ed of the week in the second half. And I'll be back in a couple of minutes. I want to take this time during my break to talk to you about donating to my cause, if you can. And give a little info on how to find my website and what's inside. The show is free to subscribe to on all major podcast apps, including Substack and YouTube, with the donations tab on the Village Oak Tree webpage at rss.com and my website at cronnebeha.com on the donations page for anyone that feels generous enough to support my work. Think of it as passing the hat at the end of my visits to your village. If you like what I have to say here, please share this podcast with everyone you know as much as possible before it gets too late. My motive is not for money, but to make a difference in a world, and I can't do it without your help. For each article I present to you, there will be links to read the stories in their entirety in the follow-up newsletters posted in medium.com, Substat.com and in the blog section of my website, which is free to everyone. Now, I want to explain how to find my website, crownofbeha.com. Just type in www. 
C-R-A-N-N-N-A-B-E-A-T-H-A dot com in your browser and search for it. You may also use the link in the newsletters on median.com and substack.com or the podcast transcripts on rss.com and substack.com to find it for the first time. The name is Gaelic and maybe a little hard to find unless you know what you're looking for. Then bookmark it if you wish to return again. I also have the RSS feeder enabled, so if you like my blog posts, you can be notified whenever I post something new. Search for chronobeha.com in your RSS feeder and set it up to receive the updates. Users finding the website for the first time will reach the welcome page to learn a little bit about what's inside. There you'll see a homepage link where you can learn a little more about what Kronabeha means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little more about me in general. On the menu bar at the top, there are links to a blog session where I post podcast newsletters, blog articles, stories and poems, a drop-down menu with links to both podcasts, a donations page linked to PayPal for your personal data security, an ad page for my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. Everything I write is available in the blog section of my website for free. If you like what you see, feel free to leave a message in the comment page anytime. I'll respond fairly quickly within reason. Enjoy the music, and I'll be back with the second half shortly. Welcome back to the second half of the Village Oak Tree. I want to bring things a little closer to home this week. I'm inspired by a blog article from a Substack writer, Nate Bear, who published a piece late last week about how the Western world steals stuff. Cuba, the West and an elusive vaccine. How meningitis B unnecessarily killed kids for 25 years. In this article, he talks about a meningitis B vaccine invented in Cuba back in 1988 and widely used in 15 countries around the Caribbean and South America. Then, a UK company claimed in 2015 that they invented it, along with the U.S. Big Pharma Corporation, and it became the next big thing. The point is, this is what the U.S. and Western European countries do. They steal stuff from other countries and tell everyone they invented it. The biggest reason that Cuba didn't get the credit from the Brits and the Yanks was because of the U.S. sanctions on Cuba. Cuba, even though they won a gold medal from the UN for their efforts, couldn't sell their licensed product to the West. And the Brits were stuck. They knew about it, but the US was blocking it. So thousands of children all over the world suffered and died needlessly because the US played the bully. This goes to their politics as well. Right now, the US is all in on an uproar about China. They're making all kinds of backdoor deals to set up embassies and tag in on military bases around the South Pacific, North Pacific, Australia, and anywhere else they can in the Pacific region to, quote, to contain China's aggression, unquote. Here's an article from Al Jazeera I found that describes this. An article like this will be hard to find in U.S. media. In a bid to counter China, U.S. ramps up effort to boost military ties in Asia. In 2023, 
the U.S. made a once-in-a-generation effort to boost diplomatic and defense ties in the Asia-Pacific as part of a campaign to compete with China. And this was from Al Jazeera by Zahina Rashid. And in his article, it actually gives a map of where all these new military embassies and, 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 and posts are, where American troops are now at. And you can see it's, it's, it's expanded quite a bit. All China wants to do is expand their trade for the most part. Admittedly, they've been aggressive around their intentions toward Taiwan and the South China Sea. But I'm sure something could be worked out. But no, everybody gets the jitters over seeing Chinese military buildups and more ships patrolling the region. So they think China wants to take over control over all these countries. And I'm not trying to take sides here, as I do believe that China, like Russia, wants to expand their dominion in the region and shut out the United States and the West. It's all about money and power. The CCP wants to expand and make more money. They, want, they do want more power in the region, but said, so does everyone else to a degree, more or less. And the United States is not liking that a bit. They want to be the big dogs everywhere in the world. And again, it all comes down to egos and power. For the last 75 years, the United States has inserted themselves everywhere around the world to set themselves up to be the largest superpower in the world. For a few decades, they were. Now, their power is waning, and they're not stepping back quietly. China and Russia want to supplant the U.S. in the world's limelight. This is in part because of the false narrative that the U.S. has given the world. They're the only beacon of hope for a free and democratic world. Not. That their, brand, their brand of dem democracy is the only saving grace against the tyranny of communism. Something the U.S. went about behind the world's backs with a big smile on, telling everyone how great they are. Attempts to coerce and outright commit crimes in sovereign nations to make sure that the U.S. flag went to the top of the world's flagpole and stayed there. Because the U.S. is such an economic and military bully, they have puffed out their chest to everyone and dared anyone to say anything about their crimes. When someone does speak up, the U.S. finds a way to sanction them, to punish them for daring to stand up, stand up against the mighty United States. It all started after the Korean War. In 1951, the U.S. got their butts handed to them in Korea. They went over there woefully unprepared for the elements and the mass of sheer humanity that the North Koreans and the Chinese were willing to throw at them. The American soldiers were also burned out from World War II just five years prior. With faulty military strategy and the false belief that the U.S. soldiers were invincible after their success against the Axis powers, they got dropped off and cut off and died in the thousands, mostly due to the extreme cold and lack of preparation by their leaders. Not enough warm boots and clothing, and the belief from the general staff in Washington that this will be a cakewalk. I commend the brave soldiers who went to Korea with all of this disinformation and lack of planning, both in logistics and strategy. They're the real heroes. I condemn the United States government for not thinking things through and causing the deaths of way too many soldiers that didn't need to happen. But this has always been their war strategy one that continued all the way through Afghanistan, then ramped up again in Iraq. Stupid battle strategies that cost way too many lives for little or no gain. All they accomplished in Korea was a truce and a ceasefire, which still holds today. No winners. Especially for the North Koreans. Afterwards, the U.S. convinced the world that North Koreans were very bad people and needed to be sanctioned. There's that word again. What did the U.S. gain in Vietnam, in Afghanistan, in Fallujah, Iraq, and now in Syria and Iraq? Not enough to justify all those dead soldiers. Now the North Koreans are an impoverished people under the thumb of a brutal communist dictator and dynasty. This could have been prevented to a degree, but no. The egotistical U.S. had to show the world just how strong they were after World War II to keep everyone in line to keep buying American stuff. In Vietnam... The U.S. started to send Green Beret and CIA advisors over there to assist the French, who had gotten their butt, Collins' butt kicked in, in the 1950s. By the mid-1960s, the U.S. was in it all the way because the American mil military-industrial complex saw a way to make millions once again by selling military hardware to the government. Again. It worked out so well for the corporate executives in World War II. You know the old saying, once a crook, always a crook. If a crook can get away with a crime once, they'll keep committing the same crimes until they get caught. 
such as the corporate world, now the global corporate world. As long as they are allowed to do what they want under the guise of supporting a war effort, so much the better for their bottom line and the bank accounts of the owners and the board members. Government defense contracts have been some of the most lucrative money makers since World War II. Might as well do all they can to keep the gravy train going. And it's going full steam ahead right now. In order for the West towards the rest of the world, while they reach behind everyone they can to take what they want from them, they have had two major things in play. First, the best military they can fund. Something the U.S. learned after the 1950s, 60s, and 70s after getting their butts spanked by smaller developing countries like Vietnam. The U.S., in order for them to maintain their air superiority in to everyone in the world, especially Russia and China, have outspent everyone on defense, and it's slowly strangling them. The U.S. is being shut out of the Middle East for all their meddling, and the same for South America, which is largely in shambles due to their meddling back in the 80s and 90s. The wars in Afghanistan and Iraq have been nearly bankrupted the U.S., and they're desperate to get that economic clout back. Unfortunately, that ship has started to sail away. That isn't stopping it from trying, though all around the world. The trouble with that, as I've mentioned before in previous shows, the U.S. military is short on bodies with aging, failing equipment, and the government is having trouble keeping up. The U.S.'s Roosevelt is in the news today over their return to home port from the eastern Mediterranean Ocean. How much you want to bet that one of the primary reasons their extended deployment was turned around was due to the cascading machinery failures beyond ship's company to repair at sea? I remember those days. And from, the up, and from the obscure news articles I can find over the years, little has changed in the four decades since I served in, in the U.S. Navy. The U.S. has soldiers and sailors everywhere in the world that can get a foot in the door. All in the name of national security. This is the new name for still trying to eradicate communism. A very old concept, but since the U.S. is still being run by leaders who cut their political teeth during the Cold War days with Russia, the mindset's still there. This is why the Western world steals technology, the Earth's buried resources, and sometimes people, especially the United States. Now, the gold rush is off for materials to make car batteries with, cell phones, and all the other technology needed to stay ahead of the competition, mostly China now. Microchips are the biggest thing they are competing for, and the U.S. is falling behind because of American corporate greed and desperation. On the other side of the world, it's still making sure that oil still flows west as much as possible, something that started in the early 1970s with Tricky Dick Nixon and his aspirations for power. The Western world's been under threat from OPEC and their brethren ever since. The U.S. military-industrial complex has tentacles in nearly every country around the world that has something they want. In Central Africa, to curtail, curtail the Chinese base in Djibouti, in Europe, to support NATO, but really to curb the Russians. The Middle East is secure off with U.S. energy needs, so they say. As previously mentioned, the Pacific, Pacific area region around China. The global corporations are egging all of this on because it means more billions of profits for them. Selling military technology to anyone with a dollar to spare, although countries are starting to de-dollarize now. The U.S. is using their military to scare other countries into letting them take what they want from the land while exploiting the indigenous peoples into working as near slaves in the mines and jungles. This kind of stuff has been going on for hundreds of years. It used to be called colonization, but now it's called helping developing countries. Quote, you let us have something you don't have for the means to get for yourself for next to nothing, and we promise to give you humanitarian aid for the poor, unquote something the U.S. has been reneging on lately with certain nations and territories. The U.S. is going broke due to failed policies and serious internal dissension amongst their legislators. Now they seem to be dispensing humanitarian aid like a carrot on a stick. Quote, we will help you if you ask something to give us more valuable in return. No more freebies, unquote. Corporations are still going in and stealing things, but now, without any promises other than a small share of the profits to corrupt politicians. Very small profits. Labor abuse is becoming rampant around the world, as I have brought you multiple articles in 2023, and I'm sure I'll bring you more in 2024. Multinational corporations are starting to take over the world's government in a lot of places, the U.S. being one of them. 
They work behind the scenes to throw billions of money to influence with good success to coerce legislators to pass laws in their favor, much to the detriment of the local citizens usually. Again, I cite the example of the U.S., but this is going on everywhere in the world's richest nations, Great Britain Australia being good examples right now. This is all having a bad effect on the world's economies. Prices of everything are going up more and more every year, and more and more people are being left on the streets to fend for themselves any way they can. A lot of times they aren't. Regional wars are breaking out our resources, or lack thereof. The Gaza war is likely about money, power, and ideology. Ukraine is about one Russian egomaniac who wants his lost empire back, with the resources to go with that. Ukraine is just a start for him, but given the trouble with his original plan two years ago, the rest of that plan may go on hold for a while unless the West caves and Russia wins by outlasting everyone. The plan is to reclaim all the satellite USSR countries back into the Russian fold, as it was when they were in their heyday during the Cold War days, and Eastern Europe is starting to run scared right now. Again, just like the rest of the superpowers, it's all about power and money. The more they have, the more they want. And how they will do anything to get it, at the expense of a lot of human lives. This isn't really much of a surprise given human history. Advanced civilizations have been warring with other lesser nation states since the first city-states emerged, emerged after the last ice age. It's always been the same thing. Some egomaniac becomes a leader and decides that they don't have enough. They create a big army to go out and take what they want. Nothing has changed in the last 10 to 20,000 years. Humans have just invented better weapons to make more war with over the same things. We've come a long way from spears, bows and arrows, and chariots to fight with, but the mentality hasn't changed. The U.S. has become like all the rest of the empires of the past. The only difference is how quickly they rose to prominence and how quickly in time they have started to fall, all in a matter of a couple of hundred years. And the fall has been really ramping up here in the last three or four decades. Quite a difference from empires like the Egyptians and the Romans, who lasted for thousands of years. Empires whom the United States sought to emulate a little when initially setting up the Republican Democratic Society back in the late 1700s. The experiment, they called it. Some are wondering if the experiment has finally failed. Until that happens, plan out more of the same for the world as these superpowers continue to jockey for dominance over the world's resources leaving the lesser humans to flounder in misery and death as the egomaniacs continue to rape and pillage the earth in their quest for food, water, and shelter stability for their, for their individual tribes. In this case, the corporate executives and their immediate families. The government leaders all say they do what they do in the name of making life better for their people. It's all lies. They're all doing, doing it to preserve what wealth they can manage for themselves and their immediate families. It always comes down to personal wealth and power over others. That sense of power is the best high possible, better than any chemical drug high, which is why it is so addictive. Money and wealth equate power. If you have enough money, you can manipulate nation states, and that's where the high comes from. It's part of the human DNA. As we head into 2024, with all that is in front of the human species, think about how far you would go to secure the most stable source of food, water, and shelter you can for you and your immediate family for as long as you and yours shall live. What are you willing to do to achieve that? Would you kill people for that? Would you be willing to destroy other people's lives in order to achieve that stability? That is what your country does for you every day around the world without telling you what they're doing. Shutting down anyone who dares tell the world their secrets about how they do what they do to make themselves rich enough to not have to worry about food, water, and shelter insecurity. And I'm not talking about countries. I'm talking about these individual politicians who are doing all this stuff behind our backs all to make themselves richer. They don't care about their constituents. Right now in the world, journalists, independent or otherwise, are being fired stories going unpublished, and so on, when they dare to report the truth about what the superpowers do with the taxpayers' money instead of taking care of their citizens. There is no freedom of the past press anymore, if there really was any to begin with. Nation states are calling the shots on what they want the world to know about the things they do around the world. There are journalists who are managing to get the word out, but at great cost sometimes, sometimes the ultimate sacrifice, especially recently.
Now, I'm no journalist, but I do want to facilitate getting the word out. I want to continue to bring everyone breakout stories about the little things that leak out in the press around the world. News that outfits like CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, Fox News, Daily Mail, and some many other mainstream cable news from around the world are afraid to publish over fears of sanctions by their governments or billionaire investors. A lot of times they are one and the same. More so now since these billionaires have bought up all the prominent news companies and dictate what is published or not. Don't be afraid to share what I give you with your family, friends, and neighbors. Your governments do not have your best interests in mind when they decide to invade another country for their resources, whatever they may be. These resources are only to keep making the rich richer at our expense. That is why homelessness is on such a steep rise around the world. And I'm not talking about refugees fleeing war zones, although that is a really big problem. Just ordinary people like you and me, who fell afoul of greedy landlords who raised their rents too high, or people who lost their jobs due to corporate mergers or failed companies. Now they can't afford food, water, or a decent place to shelter where they are. So they have to migrate somewhere else to try and find that food, water, and shelter stability. Food, water, shelter instability creates migrations of humans and animals. That's a normal thing on this planet. It's been going on since the first mobile beings set, first set foot in front of one another. So we have so many humans living on this rock ball that we live on that we're running out of habit habitable space for them. Couple that with rampant greed and you have the mess we have going into 2024. So I hope everyone listening to this broadcast can find the food, shelter, water, and shelter stability they need in, in the year ahead. For those who can't, don't give up. Make a loud demand from your government to do what, to do what you're paying your taxes for. Take care of you. And take care of you so you can have that stability that you need. Quit spending your tax money on things that don't help you at all, such as wars in Gaza, such as the illegal lithium mines, and microchips for military-industrial complex that they definitely don't have your interest in mind unless you work for them. So that's all I've got for you today. Thank you for listening. And I hope I've given everyone something to think about as you finish out your work week. Baru Mahagat, thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll return again for another episode of The Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more you share, the more we can convince enough people to make the world a better place to live in. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the village oak tree today. As a Shauna Kay, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might bring you a smile or make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. Schlag a foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish. Mm -hmm.